Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. I invite you to take your Bibles with me and turn to the first book, the book of Genesis. And we're going to, in Genesis, go to chapter 29. We're going to be putting it up for you to see in just a moment. Again, welcome you again, each one who is able to attend here at Cornerstone Church this morning. We welcome those who are joining us live stream, and you're our off-campus church, and we welcome you. Trust that you will uh, stay with us the remainder of the service. Today I want to talk, I want to tell a story today. It's a story, it's a, I'm going to retell a story in Scripture, and it's a story that's maybe not often known, story that's maybe not often talked about, but a story that I think relates to so many of us, I think you will gather that as we pick up this story together. Again, we uh, just encourage you next week to join us 10 o'clock for our Zoom, and you can, if you uh, get our newsletter, you get the information, but uh, even just if you were to email the church, make sure that you uh, are invited so that you can get in. And uh, that's as simple as that, to be able to get in. The story is Genesis chapter 29, and it's uh, about a, a woman by the name of Leah. Everybody say Leah. Leah. We're going to talk about Leah today. She is typically not one of the most sought-after persons in Scripture to talk about. But Leah, we're going to start with Genesis, and we're going to end the day in just a few minutes from now in the last book of the Bible in Revelation because there's a connection. And so we pick it up in Genesis 29, verse 16. Uh, now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Let me just quickly tell you what's going on here. I'm going to unpack it a bit more in a moment. But you have here... A guy by the name of Jacob, and Jacob's name would be later called Israel. He would have a name change, not uncommon in the patriot days. So his name would be changed to Israel, and guess what nation is called after him? Yes, Israel. He would have 12 sons. They would be called and referred to the 12 tribes of Israel, Jacob. His grandpa, Abraham, he's kind of the, the daddy of the faith. Jacob falls in love. It's a bit of a, a love story, but it's also a heartbreak story. He falls in love with Rachel, wins his heart. But in this story, he ends up having to marry her sister first, Leah. And we're going to talk about Leah today, not so much Rachel. So he's married to these two. And it was a kind of a deceptive thing that took place and you can read about it. I'm not going to take the time between verses, really verse 18 to verse 29 tells a bit more of the story. We're going to jump right down to verse 30. Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. Let me just, can I read that again? His love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. In other words, Leah, I don't love you as much. He worked for Laban another seven years. Verse 31, now pick this up. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved... She's unloved. She's in a marriage relationship. She's not loved. 
He enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant, gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, this is out of Leah's mouth, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again when she gave birth to a son. She said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, so it didn't work. First prayer didn't work. Because I'm not loved, he gave me a second son. She named him Simeon. Verse 34. Again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. She named him Levi. She conceived again. Now something happens between verse 34 and 35. Very significant. Something happens. We're not told what happens, but something significant happens to her. Let me read verse 34 again. Again she conceived, gave birth to a son. Now at last my husband will become attached to me. This is number three. Because I have borne him three sons, named him Levi. Something happens. Now verse 35. She conceives again. When she gives birth to a son, she says, This time I will praise the Lord. She calls him Judah. And she stops having children. Okay. The... We've been on a series, if you're joining us for the first time, we're on a series doing life together. We have been talking about what is the purpose of the church? Because we've had to really come to grips with that this past year. Is the church about buildings? If it is, we've been closed down for half the time. I'm going to suggest the church was never meant to be about buildings. Is the church about how many bodies are gathered? You know, the bigger the better. But the church was never meant just to be about bodies. The church was not meant to be about budgets, about money. It's not about money. The church is about, and this is where we are coming to a redefinition of the purpose of why we exist. The church is about that God has loved us. He has granted us salvation from sin. And he's given us the ability to make a difference in this world. It's called missional impact. I am able to make a difference in somebody else's life. And so in what we've been talking about for this basic this year has been how do we do life together? It's our series, Doing Life Together. How do we do life together? And today I want to talk specifically about Leah because Leah represents us. Now I invite you to join me if you haven't. Uh, I have a group on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock and Lori and myself lead this group. You can... Find us through our website. If you go into Connection, it gives you a place. Basically, just email the church and just ask to be on, and I will send you an invite to the Zoom that we have on Wednesday night. We talk about, we're going to talk this Wednesday night. Today, we're talking about Leah. This Wednesday night, we're going to talk about somebody we don't even know her name, but she's found in the fourth chapter of the book of John. That's who we're going to talk about Wednesday night. Bit of a different story on Wednesday night. But today I want to talk about Leah because the title here is Looking Beneath the Surface. Things are not as they appear. And oftentimes there's, there's a sense of feeling lost, unloved, uncared for, insignificant, of no value or worth. And we can get really absorbed in feeling and comparing that, that really, where do I fit in? It's a big problem. And I don't know, maybe every one of us or most of us struggle or have struggled in that area. There's a scripture, it's found in Jeremiah 17, 7. I'm going to refer to it a number of times this morning, and it is this. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, 
whose confidence is in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Confidence is in him alone. Let's talk about Leah. Leah's name, her name in Hebrew means weary or tired. Not very flattering, is it? Weary or tired. You can't imagine you getting up. Hi, tired. How are you feeling today? Yeah, not very flattering. And an alternate meaning of her name is wild cow. Hey, wild cow, how's it going today? Not very flattering. Would you agree? That's Leah's name. Rachel, her sister, her name means you. Female sheep. And they're so cute and cuddly. So by naming Leah Cow and Rachel you, you get the picture. We're picking the story here. By naming Leah Cow signifies the contrast between the beauty of a sheep and the comeliness of a cow. Now, I grew up in a dairy farm. I kind of think cows are cute. But that's a whole other story for another day. So we get the impression Leah probably was not good looking. Genesis chapter 29, verse 17, it says Leah had weak eyes. They don't think the eyes were simply weak, meaning she didn't have 20-20 vision. Weak eyes, they believe, suggest that her eyes, there was something off about her eyes. Maybe her eyes were being compared to Rachel's eyes. Rachel maybe had that sparkle of the eye. Just gorgeous eyes. Leah, weak eyes. I don't know if you can relate to Leah. But as we begin to go through this story, I know there's been times I relate to Leah. The feeling of not good enough. The feeling of lack, especially when you're around a Rachel. You don't feel so bad until you're up near a Rachel, and all of a sudden the Rachel outshines you in everything. The Rachels look better. The Rachels are smarter. It's the people around you, they're more outgoing. As you compare yourself with whoever it is, they have a better job than you do. They have a bigger house than you do. They have a stronger marriage than you do. Their children are just model children. Your children are not. Everything's going well for them. You're Leah, and it's not going well for you. They have the advantage. Remember, Leah's compared to the Rachels, and the Rachels have the advantage. And when you compare, there's no, no comparison. Have you ever felt this way at times? Maybe you're feeling this way today. Leah was not someone Jacob falls in love with quickly. However, Rachel, oh, Rachel's another story. Rachel, he fell in love first sight. He loved her from the beginning, but not Leah. Leah doesn't get the love. Leah's overlooked. Jacob sought to marry Rachel, but in order to marry Rachel, back in that time, there was a dowry, and the dowry was seven years working for the future father-in-law. That's a pretty stiff dowry. Seven years working for him, but it seemed like nothing because he so loved Rachel. It came time for him to wed the evening after the celebration of the party, the wedding party. They go into the tent. Now, let's remember, this is a long time ago. The tents have no electricity. There's no light bulbs in there. 
He goes in the tent, it's dark. The bride would have been heavily veiled when she went into the tent to be with Jacob. Jacob didn't realize there had been a deceptive switch, not until the morning light comes in through the tent. He rolls over to kiss his beautiful, sparkly-eyed Rachel, and he sees the cow. It's Leah. He doesn't love Leah. He doesn't see it until morning time. And, and Jacob hits the roof. He goes off on Laban, and Laban said, Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. this is custom. You always give the older one in marriage. You, you get two. You work another seven years, you'll get Rachel. So weather out the week of the bridal week for Leah, and then I'll give you Rachel. You can have two, but now work another seven years for me, full 14 years. And so that's how it's set. It's really kind of a weird, weird story. So he works another seven years to finish it out. But here's the question I want to ask you. It's not about Rachel. It's about Leah. How do you think all of this is making Leah feel? First of all, her name. We understand her weaknesses. She's glaring weakness compared to her sister Rachel. She's not loved by Jacob. And here she is in a wedding relationship, a marriage relationship, Jacob doesn't even want to be with her. Her father has manipulated the whole thing. Her father, what kind of a father does this? Her father does this, throws her into this, like, you know, marry this one because I don't think she's ever going to find a husband. So this is the way to get her in. Marry this guy. He doesn't want her. And he's going to get Rachel too. So really, who's Leah in all this? We need to feel the story because there's quite a few verses around Leah. It tells us the story, and I think God wants us to understand this. Through custom, she submits herself to her father. She bears two indignities. Number one, Jacob doesn't want her. And one week after her marriage, her husband takes up with her younger sister in a second marriage. And all she can do is stand by and say nothing. It's Leah's story. I want to ask the question, is life fair? Life's not fair. And if you try to judge life and you try to base life on fairness you're going to be endlessly frustrated. It's not fair. It's not fair for Leah. And we finish this little aspect of the story, of Leah's story, picturing her left alone, Jacob with Rachel, crying in her tent. The picture of Leah. Well, the story continues. See, it doesn't always end there. I want to come back to Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord who places their confidence in him. But it doesn't come today, and it might not come tomorrow, and it might not come this week, this year, or this decade. But it will come. It will come. Rachel is infertile. So let's begin to look at the family line here. Let's start with Jacob turning to Leah. She would bear him a son, Reuben. The name Reuben means behold a son. So Leah expresses her thoughts this way about her son Reuben, verse 32. It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. So she called him Reuben. Surely the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. He doesn't. So she conceives again. This time she names her son Simeon. Simeon means heard. Verse 33, here's how she describes it. Leah, 
because the Lord heard that I'm not loved. All she wants to do is be loved. He gave me this one too. What an incredible admission. The Lord has heard I'm not loved. So I get son number two. Well, Jacob still doesn't love her. Number three. She conceives again. His name is Levi. His name means attached. Her explanation for her third son comes in verse 34. Now at last, my husband. At last, my... You'd think after two... At last, my husband will become attached to me because I have bore him three sons. And Jacob still does not love her. By the birth of her fourth son, she's no longer focusing on Jacob anymore. This is the change. She's no longer got her eyes on Jacob anymore. The fourth son, she names him Judah praise. Big change takes place from the first three to the fourth. Her explanation is found in verse 35. This time, this time, I will praise the Lord. You see the change? I'm not loved. Misery. Surely he will love me, number two. Maybe now he'll become attached to me, number three. No, no, no. Time goes by. Years go by. Number four, Lord, I will praise you. Wow, I will praise you. In the midst of my circumstances, you get my praise. Faith. You see faith in this woman. Leah is by far the better woman between Rachel and Leah. Why do I say that? You see, each time a son is born to Leah, she expresses faith in God. You see a prayer. Her younger sister, Rachel, never in the text of Genesis do you hear her having any faith, not once. Not once. She's not a woman of faith. As a matter of fact, Rachel's the one who stole her father's household household idols when they would leave their home, and she worshipped other gods. She committed, committed idolatry. Rachel dabbled in that. She got into the cultic practices, but Leah never did. She had faith in the Lord her God, reflected in the names of her children. Well, let's continue the story. It's quite a saga. Rachel is so upset in the fertility of her sister that she gives Jacob her servant, Bilhah. Now, this was in the days that this happened. You gave, gave, she gave Jacob her servant, Bilhah, as wife, Genesis chapter 30, verse 3, and Bilhah bears him two sons, Dan and Naphtali. Not to be outdone, Leah gives her servant, Zilpah, verse 9, and two more are born, Gad and Asher. Kind of sounds like house, housewives all over again, doesn't it? Leah then bears two more sons, Issachar and Zebulun, and a daughter, Dinah. Finally, Rachel has kids. And Rachel has Joseph and Benjamin. And when she bears Benjamin, she dies at birth. She dies when he's just born. <laughs> There's the story. So Rachel's gone. Leah, for many years, lives on. Quite outlives Rachel. We're not told the circumstances around Leah's death. But we know this. We know where she's buried. 
She's buried in a cave of Hebron where Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Rebekah were buried. Now, these are patriots. In fact, Jacob tells us something quite startling. Here's the startling thing. This is later in life, years have passed. Remember, she's unloved, and finally she just begins to turn her eyes towards the Lord. Jeremiah 17, verse 7. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord and places their confidence in him. And she does that. And then years pass. And we have in Genesis 49, 31, it says that in the cave cave of Hebron, it says, there I buried Leah. What Jacob says, there I buried Leah. Later on, when he would give instructions of where he wanted to be buried, interesting, he doesn't ask to be buried in Bethlehem because that's where Rachel was buried. Rachel's buried in Bethlehem, the love of his life in the earlier years. But later on in life, he asked, when I die, bury me with Leah. What a story. Something happened between the earlier years where Leah was unloved and in misery and unattached to Jacob. She gets her eyes on the Lord and praises him in spite of all these housewives going on in the, in the whole story. But at the end of the story, Jacob wants to be buried with Leah. Interesting. There is a popular Israeli song to this day in Israel. It's a song from Jacob to Leah. I'm putting the words up here for you. Here's the song that they sing. From Jacob to Leah. Here many days have gone by. My two hands have become weary. And your two eyes, Leah, have become beautiful. Like the eyes of Rachel. I love thee, Leah. I love thee proud. If I forget thee, Leah, my name shall not be Israel. It's a folklore in Israel today. Now, we look back in Leah's life, we can say her life was unfair. Her father forced her into an unwanted marriage. Her sister resented her, and her husband, for the most part of their marriage, did not love her. But Leah's story for you and I today, her story is told because it tells us that you and I cannot measure life within the span and the time of a few decades here on this earth. We can't measure life that way. When we realize God sees and forms a bigger picture than you and I see right now. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord and places their confidence in Him. It is Leah's third son, Levi. Her third son becomes the priestly line. This is long after Jacob's gone, long after Leah's gone. She doesn't see this, but we see it because we have the lineage. Let me talk about what happened because of her faith. Her third son, Levi, the priestly line of which Moses is born, Aaron is born, Miriam is born. You see, if it weren't for Leah, there would be no Levi. And if it weren't for Levi, there would be no Moses. And if it weren't for Moses, guess what? The first five books of the Bible aren't there. First five books aren't there. There would be no Ten Commandments. There would be no exodus from the land of slavery. There would be no prototype of the priests by which Jesus would model himself after. 
Leah's descendant, Caleb, is one of the two who entered into Canaan. And Caleb, as an old man, he would take a mountain for God. A man who would not give up on life. A man just like his great-great-great-great-grandma, Leah, who wouldn't give up. Faithful. Blessed is the one who puts their trust in the Lord and their confidence in him. Well, we have Boaz. Boaz was also a descendant, great-grandfather of King David from the line of Judah. So from her fourth son, Boaz would come, and from that would come King David. From King David would come King Solomon. You see, if you have no Leah, you have no Judah. If you have no Judah, we do not have the Psalms, we do not have the Proverbs, we do not have the Song of Songs, and we do not have Ecclesiastes. They all come from Leah. Interesting, isn't it? From Leah comes not only all the high priests of Israel, but every king that comes to Judah from Leah. And some of the greatest prophets that would ever be Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Leah. They come from Leah. She never saw that in the years of misery, unloved, and feeling abandoned. She never saw it. But she kept her faith in him and praised him irregardless of what she saw or experienced. And from the genealogy that would flow from her, you would see these great people. As a matter of fact, Ezra is from Leah and all the key players around the Christmas story. Christmas would not be Christmas if it weren't for Leah. Mary Joseph from Leah. John the Baptist, Leah. Anna, you know the Christmas story? Anna in the Christmas story was from the tribe of Leah through her servant Zilpha. Zebulun, the sixth and last son of Leah, from the descendants is Nazareth, comes from Nazareth, a land where Jesus was born, a land that first saw the light in the time of darkness. The people of the Christmas story are largely the kids of Leah. And the spread of the gospel to the Gentiles, well, comes from the tribe of Levi. Barnabas comes from the tribe of Levi, comes from Leah. And tradition has it, remember Rachel had two kids. Rachel, the one he loved. Rachel had, kid number one was what? Joseph. Kid number two, the last one was Benjamin. She died at his birth. And so, who raised Benjamin? Leah raised Benjamin. And Leah instilled into Benjamin the traits, and largely raised Joseph for that matter, but in, put into the traits of Benjamin, godly traits, and we see from the tribe of Benjamin, the great apostle Paul comes. And that's the majority of the New Testament. Here's the point. Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. Because if you do, you're going to see this and you're going to compare it. Lean not in your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him. And he will make your path straight. Beloved, today you cannot judge things from what you see externally. Rachel was the good-looking one, but God looks to the heart. Leah had a beauty 
that the scheming Rachel never had. You and I need time and distance in order to understand what God is doing in our lives. You have to trust that. Keep your faith in the Lord Jesus. You need time and distance. Leah had no idea that the great trial she would pass through would ultimately result in a priestly and kingly line and would not have come about if she had not been faithful in her place in the family during those years that were so difficult for her. She had no idea the Savior of the world, Jesus, would come through her lineage, the unloved one. She had no idea. I wonder who before you went through difficult days and were it not for good choices they made in God, you and I wouldn't be here today. I wonder the decisions that were made and somebody's faithfulness were instrumental in you today. And likewise, people behind you depend on your faithfulness. Who would we abort behind us if we aren't faithful to God today? To persevere in faith even though we don't see it. We make choices that impact others long after you and I are gone from this earth. Long after. I want to close the story. I told you I would go to Revelation. The second last chapter in Revelation is Revelation 21. In Revelation 21, it's talking about the new Jerusalem. It's talking about heaven. It's talking about what heaven looks like. And it gives a bit of a description of heaven. I think everybody's kind of interested. What does heaven look like? And it describes heaven as 12 gates going into heaven. And the name of each gate is named after the sons of Jacob. The 12 tribes. So the 12 names of the 12 tribes. But here's the interesting part I want to draw your attention to. The interesting part is the gates are made up of one pearl. They're made of a pearl. Now, I was intrigued with this because I was a little foggy about the significance of a pearl. It's a rather large pearl, might I suggest. But it's interesting that pearls are formed when a foreign substance slips into the mantle and shell of an oyster irritating the oyster. There is no pearl if the oyster is not irritated. (laughs) You could say, blessed are the irritations in life. The oyster's natural reaction is to cover up the irritant to protect itself. The mantle covers the irritant with layers of a substance that is used to create the shell. This eventually forms the pearl. The pearls are made through the difficulties of the oyster. The pearls are made through the difficulties of the oyster. Now, heaven, 12 gates. And they're made of pearl. Of all the things that can be made. They're made of pearl. And they're named after the 12 sons. Of which half of them are from Leah. Which her life and legacy is formed in the midst of major life irritations. I want to suggest we don't know what God has planned, but that we remain faithful. Blessed is the one who puts their trust in Him and confidence is in the Lord. Today I thought that would be a great picture.
of how God sees beneath the surface. And you're going through, some of you maybe are going through and you're just struggling because you're comparing. There's Rachel's all around you. And you feel like Leah. You identify to Leah. And I want to close our time by just committing ourselves to God. Oh, Lord, may I be like her fourth son. I will praise you. I will praise you in spite of everything that's happening. I will place my faith in you. Yes, I would love to be loved. I don't want to be miserable. I don't want to feel abandoned. But I don't have control over those things. But one thing I have control over, I have control over, will I place my eyes on you and put my faith in you and trust that you will work all things for good to those that love Christ. Trust you. And time will have to go. It'll have to pass before you'll see the end bad each other. So many times we're complaining about the now. But be patient and persevere because it's not marked out in the now. Trust him for the later. We heard Leah's story. Her story is amazing. And I don't believe it's any less for any child of God today who places her faith in him. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.